But gracious Father, we thank you for the day. And Lord, once again, we come before you. Lord, uh, we, we're looking here at, at a uh, subject that is mighty. We're looking at a subject that is full of truth, but it's hard for us to, uh, in many ways, accept because it goes against uh, ourself and it speaks to your glory. Lord, our hearts are not inclined to necessarily love truth. So, Lord, we pray you would be glorified and you would be honored and that uh, you would get all the glory. And we pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, good morning. Welcome to week number four. And we're halfway to, through today's class. We'll be halfway through the series. Since we've got four more weeks after this. If you have not picked one up, since uh, I wrote handouts on the board, since I get absent-minded and forget to tell everybody that I try to put handouts in that back corner, uh, there's handouts there from last week also, and also the overhead, uh, the PowerPoint presentation. Uh, my daughter did all the handouts last week, and I didn't acknowledge her, so I, I just letting everybody know that. Um, if you want, if you if you miss, or if you want to pick up something, uh, Jake and Collins is kind enough to been taking the audio. He's been uploading it to communitybible.org. If you go under audios, you go under podcast, you pull down, and it's labeled there week one, two, three, and this week four will be up. Uh, communitybible.org. Go to our website, and it's up. So if you miss, it'll be there for you. Or if you want to say, did he really say that? Or he couldn't, or he can't have said that. Anyway, welcome to this week. We'll get going. What's in the Calvus Tulip? Week number four this week. <coughs> Unconditional election. Before we get started, I want to go over a short review. Last week we did look at uh, the T of Tulip, total depravity. We established what, uh, before that, we established what we consider the root and the stem for this discussion the sovereignty and the character of God. Because for every bloom, you must have a room and a stem, stem that supports it and gives it nourishment, and gives it life, and gives it beauty. If it wasn't for God's character, if it wasn't for God's glory, then the rest of this is completely on sand. God is free. He is not bound by man. Psalm 115 said, God sits in the heavens and does whatever pleases him. We saw that God is sovereign. He is Overall, overall well-being and overall calamity, Ezekiel said, Ezekiel 47 or 45.7. He said, I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and I create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. Our God is sovereign. In Him, in Him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. All things. Job says that he is unchangeable. Who can turn him back? What he desires, he does. God is absolutely sovereign. Man is absolutely unable. <clears throat> Last week, we looked at man's depravity. Man is totally depraved, we say. He's totally unable to respond to God. And what do we say? Not that man is as bad as he can possibly be, right? 
but that we're so far fallen that we're spiritually dead, that we're unable to respond. No man seeks after God, right? And it's not so much that we're completely evil, but that we have a deficiency, right? The standard is what? Be holy, right? Be holy. But we can't, right? Men willingly in and of themselves cut themselves off from the word. Men are morally unable to seek God. They are unable to respond to God, to seek God, to please God. But men are responsible to God for the rebellion. They are responsible. Unable, but responsible. What's our response in our humanness? That's not... Come on, if you all were at somewhere around the age of 10, you got to know that phrase. That's not fair, right? That's what we want to naturally say. We are enabled. John 6, 44, Jesus said this. What do you say to the Pharisees? No man comes unless he's drawn. Romans 8, 7. Man's heart is hostile to God. He does not submit himself to God's law, nor can he? Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 says we're dead in our sin. Right? We're dead in our sin. We follow the prince of this world. We are by nature children of wrath. So we are unable. That's who we are in our being. We are children of our father, Adam. Okay? We are children of our father, Adam. We are his children. We have his nature. But man are, is responsible. Uh, Leviticus said that the chosen people, God's people, were what? Responsible to be holy. Okay? That was their standard. They're responsible to be holy. Okay? So if that's our standard, Romans 6 says that we're paid the wages of our work. And what is our work? For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the wages of our sin, the wages of our unholiness is death. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay, so we're responsible, right? The requirement is to be righteous, but we're not. Therefore, we won't inherit the kingdom of God. There's a responsibility. 1 Peter 1.16, again, repeats, goes back to Leviticus. We, his people, are to be holy because he is holy. That's our standard. We come up short. Question again, how is this fair? Men are morally unable. We cannot because we will not. We so love one thing so much that we are unable to do something else. That's the conundrum. That's the, if, if not that I'm physically unable, I'm not chained to a chair, but I so love evil or so love my own way, my own glory, that I can't do what God's standard is, right? Even as believers, what does Paul say in 1 Corinthians? Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. That's the standard. Do we do everything to the glory of God? How are we doing? Come up short. Ah, we love darkness. We hated light. Right? That's what Paul said. 
Spurgeon gives the example of the wolf and the sheep, right? Got the wolf and the sheep. There's nothing keeping that wolf from eating grass, following a shepherd, grazing, except what? I mean, I mean, he's got mouth, he's got teeth, he's got a stomach, he's got the rest of the equipment. He can eat grass. But why does he not? It's not within his nature. So even from within nature, we see this issue that there is a, there is a moral, if you want to call that, or there is a character inability within, within nature there. Okay? Someday the lion will lay down the lamb, right? Not today. Men have cut themselves off from God. God would be just in condemning all men. He was under no obligation whatsoever to save anyone. We are rebellious sinners. And we are under His just condemnation. Therefore, (laughs) what? God is absolutely sovereign. Man is absolutely unable. Salvation belongs to the Lord, Jonah said. So we come to today's topic. Since we are unable, since we won't even respond to him, then the point being is an unconditional election must be because we are not able to meet any conditions. We are opposed to conditions. So God has no conditions. Unconditional election. God saves sinners. That was a review, right? God, sinners. That's what we looked at. Sovereign God, holy God, fallen man, depraved man, sinners. Now, this week in the unlimited or uh, the unconditional election, the atonement of Jesus Christ and the irresistible grace of drawing us to himself and God preserving with sinners until the end, we will see how he saves sinners. God saves sinners. Uh, I put this together from a variety of sources. Let's state it. In Adam, our father, all men sinned so that inherent in the nature of every son and daughter of Adam is a sinfulness from conception, a nature that brings guilt justifiably punishable by God. Man is spiritually dead and by nature an enemy of God. Thus, God is under no obligation to bring salvation to any man. Since God is supremely sufficient in his being, and obligated only to his own glory and righteousness, any choice in electing salvation is made solely in accordance with his eternal and unchangeable purpose that aligns with the pleasure of his secret counsel and will. Our God sits in the heavens and does whatever pleases him. God's electing an individual to salvation is conditioned solely in the inscrutable counsel of the Godhead from eternity past. CBC says it like this in our statement of faith, redemption plan. We believe that God has not left mankind to perish in its sin, but has from all eternity in grace and mercy chosen to save unto himself a people which no man can number. We believe that because of the great love with which he loved them, he is determined to deliver them out of their sin and misery and transfer them to the kingdom of his beloved son that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in Christ Jesus. That's the way we say it. London Baptist Confession just to show this goes back to the uh, 1600s. But essentially it says the same thing. 
Life is through Jesus Christ. It's to the, we gain eternal life is through Jesus Christ. It's to the praise of his glorious grace. Angels are predestined. Men are predestined. It's according to his eternal and immutable purpose and the secret counsel and good pleasure of his will. In other words, this is not something we're making out of whole cloth or thin air. Okay, this is something that's been stated for a while. The remonstrance, remember, that was the, that was the uh, statement of the remonstrance against the holdings of the church at that time, presented to the Dutch parliament. And their first statement was, election is based on the foreknowledge of God. God elected those whom he knew would of their own free will believe in Christ and preserve and persevere in faith. Election is based on a foreseen faith. Well, what I'm going to show today, that, that, that is not consistent with what we've seen as God's character. It's not consistent with what we saw last week, that it's man's ability or in man's nature. I, I don't even think it's consistent in the sense that foreseen faith. That means God looked down the court of time and came into knowledge in that sense. God doesn't come into knowledge. God knows. And we'll look at what that foreknowledge means. Okay? It's, it's, not a, it's not a throwaway term. That's a word that's in the Bible. Okay? We'll look at it. That's, that's what we're answering today. That's what we're answering today. A summary of the varied Arminian positions. Kind of depends upon who writes, but especially this is God looks down the court of time and elects those who he sees will believe. Okay? God elect, looks down the court of time. And I am not trying to set up straw men here. Um, there, there might be additional positions, but I'm trying to summarize what's out there in a lot of uh, a lot of different places. Also, some other people say, when what's probably from the modern day, you'll see it, a lot of people say is that God elects corporately rather than individually. God elects a people. Okay? A, a, a group. But he, doesn't, he does not elect Steve Novakovich by name from eternity past. He elects a church. Okay, he elects a church in Christ, so that all who believe are within the elect. Okay, God elects Christ so that those who believe are elect in Him. Also, Christ is the elect one. Therefore, those who believe in Him become one in Christ and become elect. Again, it's conditioned upon man's believing. It's conditioned upon man's counsel. It's conditioned upon, ultimately, man's free will. All right. Actually, what you'll see is some people take different views of the same thing. Uh, the person who holds this view may not necessarily hold, the second view may not hold the third view or some blend. Again, I... I need to put together a bibliography, and I'll have that available. There's, there's kind of a different, you know, the, Ar Arminius kind of held to one position. His followers held to another. Uh, there's some guys out there, Clark Pinnock, John Wesley held. So there, there's some, some of the names that we know as being uh, Ar Arminians hold to slightly different views, okay? But I do think to your question is how does, like, how does two work with three? I think that's, in my mind, some of the point is that it's inconsistent. Okay? 
as a little side note here is when I read a lot of these works, what I see when I read a lot of the people that hold to a free will, so to speak, position or a, um, an Arminian position, in my view, you see a real lack of interaction with Scripture, a real lack of scriptural, exegetical hard work. Whereas if you go to, going back to Augustine, okay, bringing it forward to Calvin, bringing it forward to, you know, John, um, um, Jonathan Edwards, bringing it forward to, you know, men we know, you see a real exegetical work. I'm a Luther. I mean, just, just taking the scripture down, looking at it, and even dealing with the hard scriptures. Okay, a little bit of a look forward where we're going. We're going to look at the reasons. Election is unconditional because we're going to look at the four reasons from Scripture. Okay? So I really think there's there's more, but I've tried to kind of take them four. We're going to kind of look at those. Kind of a summary of those headings. Uh, the first one is the Lord Jesus said so. Now, if Scripture says it, what? The Lord Jesus has said it. All right? So I'm not trying to set up quotes as being more authoritative than the rest of Scripture, but I'm just, uh, the Lord, we're going to look at the Lord Jesus said. We're going to look and see that eternal life is appointed. Appointed. We're going to look at Paul's life. And we'll see that God's choosing takes away all boasting. Right? It's all about Him. It's not about us. John six thirty seven. All that the Father gives me, Jesus said, will come to me. Whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Okay? All that the Father gives will come. And those who come, I won't cast out. It's a pretty it's a pretty closed, pretty closed system right there. Right? We have the Father giving. So there's a point. There's a point in eternity past, in a temporal speaking, that we belong to the Father, and He gives them to the Son to be redeemed. All that the Father gives me will come. So if the Father doesn't give a set number to the Son, and then those that choose to come come. No, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me. I will never cast out. That's John 6, verse 37. Remember here in John 6, he's talking to the Pharisees, right? He's basically saying, you're not coming because you're not my sheep. It's pretty, that's pretty hard. That's pretty hard stuff. It's, it's easy because, well, that's the Pharisees. They're hypocrites, right? It's a, Jesus is talking to everyone. No one can come to me. No one. Not just Pharisees or not just I don't know. Pick a name. Pick a pick a pick a group of people that's on your list, your your blackball list. It's not just those people. It's no one. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. Again, we're talking a closed system here, very close. You've got you've got the Godhead working, and you see man as a respondent, purely respondent. And really, you see man being worked on. Second half of that, verse 45. It is written in the prophets that they will all be taught by God. Who's all? Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. 
So there'll be those that don't learn from the Father, and those that do, and those that learn will come. And we'll see the ones that do that are what? The ones that the Father draws. Again, it's a closed system. You don't, you don't see people starting to drop out here. It's, it's a total thing. Okay, he draws them, they come. All right. and who are those that have been drawn? Those have been taught by the Father. Those have been taught by the Father, come. We're right back to come to Jesus. And Jesus says, for all those that come, he will what? <coughs> Raise them up on the last day. John 15, talking to his disciples here. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask in my name, he may give it to you. You did not choose me. All right. Now when you went and talked to the disciples first day or whatever and called, they, they were in their mind, right? They were choosing to follow Jesus. Okay? But Jesus is peeling back that, Jesus peeling back that uh, curtain a little bit and saying, you didn't choose me. I chose you, right? We love him because he first loved us. Right? Right. Right, Andrew. This is Jesus in his prayer, right? The high priestly prayer when he's going before the Father the night before he was crucified. And he's praying. Not for the disciples, not just merely for the disciples, but for all those who will hear, right? Who will hear and who will believe. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me. They have kept your word. Father, they're his. He gives them to the Son. And if he proves that the Son will not lose them, he will raise them up on the last day. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So who knows the Father? Those whom the Son chooses to reveal the Father to. In context, he's talking about us, his people. So if we know God, if we understand this, if if this is something that makes sense to us, it's not us. It's a God thing. It's a God thing. This is this is not a prideful thing we're talking about. This this should be an incredibly humbling thing. The God from eternity past took a fallen, rebellious man, justly deserving of sin, eternal punishment, and separation from God, and he reaches down, right, out of his purpose. And he gives the people to his son, a son to be redeemed, a group of people to be raised to life. Salvation belongs to the Lord. This is the, the Pharisees asked the question, right? Like they really wanted to know. How long will you keep us in suspense? If you were the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. 
but you do not believe because you are not part of my flock. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. That's why they don't hear, because they're not their flock. And who, who's the flock? The ones that hear his voice. The ones that follow. The, uh, and again, the flocks who the Father gives to the Son. I have many sheep that are not of this pasture, right? I must go and bring them. I just search them, and, but he's, he will bring them. Not just because Jesus said so, okay, in his conversations, but we also see that eternal life is appointed. It's not discovered. It's not, it's not hung out there as option A, B, C, or D, okay? Eternal life is appointed from the counsel of God from eternity past. Um, and when the Gentiles heard this, Paul said, I'm just not going to the Jews. That's what Paul said. I told you, but God sent me to the Gentiles too. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And I, I heard an interesting thing this week is he could have left it right there. And the Gentiles heard and they rejoiced and glorified the Lord. And what a wonderful thing it was. But, but Luke stops and he says something else. Probably because a lot of the same questions that we deal with in here Luke heard him too. He says this, And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. Why? So that God gets the glory. Luke stopped. He made a point. Paul writing the Thessalonians, right? For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Destined. That's part of that other word. Predestined. Predetermined. So you got you got those that are destined to wrath, those that are destined to salvation through Jesus Christ. And again, this is not a thing to be proud of, not a thing to boast. It is something that should just make us we when you start looking at this. This should buckle your knees. Because he could have just left us going. He could have just left us and we'd gone happily and merrily and completely rebellious on our way. Not even have known it. What a, what a, what a privilege. Again, he's the second letter to the Thessalonians. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers. Brothers beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as first fruits to be saved. Now, Paul doesn't say, we ought always be thankful to you, brothers, because in your wisdom you chose. No, no, he says, we ought always to give thanks to God. Why do we give thanks to God? Because God chose you as first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit, and believe the truth. To this he called you through the gospel. The foolishness of the cross. The foolishness of the cross that we heard and gave his ears to hear, right? eyes to see, and a heart to beat, 
that we believe so that we may obtain so we may obtain the glory of Jesus Christ. That's pretty heavy. That we, those that have been chosen, that God has shown mercy on, that in some way we'll obtain and share in the glory of Jesus Christ. I don't know my heart, but I know some of my heart. Right? And it's not real pretty. But in Him I've been made alive and I'm being sanctified and made like God. Election is unconditional because life is appo- because eternal life is appointed. Peter speaking as an apostle of Jesus Christ in his letter to those in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, he says this, who have been, what, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, they were elect exiles, they were elect, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. And again, we're going to, we'll see that foreknowledge is not this looking down the quarter of time and coming into knowledge or having a knowledge what man will of his freedom do. We'll see that this foreknowledge is a, is a, is a knowing, a knowing. It's, re, it's a relational issue in the Bible. When it, when it speaks of God to people, we'll see this a relational thing. This is the Lord coming and speaking to Ananias. And who's he speaking about? Paul's life, right? So not only is election unconditional because the Lord said so, not only unconditional because eternal life is appointed, it's unconditional because Paul's life itself is an example, right? Paul is one that is super, like unnaturally born, he says, but his actual salvation, the working of it, is no different than any of itself. It's just a little bit more... Uh, Phenomenal, right? It's kind of like wickedness, guys. We're all wicked. We could all be more wicked, right? It's only we're only bad in difference. The only difference in our badness is in degrees. But it's since our separation from God, we're as far as separate from God as east from the west. Same as our salvation. God draws people in different ways. I pray that there are children in this church that will never know a time when they didn't know Jesus. Right? There's people in this church that have come out of absolutely horrendous lives. There's, a, you know, there's all sorts of stories. But God's working, God's, God's work is the same. It just works out differently. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, for he, Paul, is a chosen instrument of mine to carry out my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. He is a chosen instrument. Did, did the Lord say when he saw him on the road to Damascus and knocked him off his horse, he said, Paul, will you please do this for me? What did he say? Paul just said, Lord, <laughs> who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, you are my chosen instrument. You will go. This is Paul speaking, but when he had set me apart before I was born, and who called me by his grace. Paul knew. He looked at it and he said, He set me apart before I was born. And he called me. And he appointed me. Again, Paul's life is an example that election is in God and it's unconditional. It's not conditioned upon us. 
It's conditioned upon Him. It's not, it's not a condition upon our free will ability. Okay? God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of His own purpose and grace, which He gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, before time, before time. He gave us this before the ages began. He gave us salvation. We'll, we'll keep talking about this before time thing. This it's a really, it's a it, it is a is a heavy, amazing thing to think about. Which I was appointed a preacher and apostle, appointed a preacher and apostle, which is why I suffer as I do. So by definition, he suffers because God had appointed it. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. I have believed. Do you see the, the flip? He called us. He saved us. His purpose, His grace, He gave us before the age became. I was appointed. I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, a teacher. I was appointed to suffer. But I'm not ashamed because I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced. Freely. Right? Why? Because He has a new heart. And we'll see that next week. He has a new heart. It's a heart of flesh, not a heart of stone. And I'm convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. And that'll be a good verse to look at when we look at the perseverance of the saints. Right? This is in Ephesians. This is that first uh, long sentence in Ephesians. I've almost said paragraph. It is a paragraph but it's also a sentence where Paul just kind of explodes, right? He explodes. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He chose us in Him, the Father. He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. The Father predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ. Why? According to the purpose of His will. He made known to us the mystery of His will. Why? According to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ. And it was a plan made in the, full, in the pre-time that came about in the fullness of time. In Him, Christ, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. And what phrase did I leave out that happens three times in this sentence? What is it? To the praise of the glory of His grace. Actually, to the praise of the glory of His grace one time, to the praise of His glory encompassed in that first time and then two other times. To the praise of His glory. That is why all things, all things come about. All right, not only is it Paul's life, an example, but we see that God's election takes away all boasting. Because it's not about us, it's all about Him. Right? It's all about Him. This is Isaiah. Okay? Alright, this is just, I mean, Isaiah says this about tools. 
Shall the axe boast over him who hews with it? Or shall the saw magnify itself against him who wields it? As if a rod should wield him who lifts it. Or a staff should lift him who is not wood. These are instruments. It's, it's just absolutely insane. It is nuts to think about these tools boasting over the one that wields them. And the one that wields them, wields them so that he can create and form and do his will and create tools for the wielders, the carpenter's purpose. And Isaiah says, that's nuts for any of these tools to boast over the one that wields them. With the point being, where are we? The wielder or the axe? Right? We're the tool. We're the tool. Isaiah says, he's got some other good analogies too, right? First Corinthians, but God chose us, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. All right. Because we're foolish, we weren't able to choose him. No, he chose what is foolish. Why? To give him the most glory. Who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you received it? Right? Talking about gifting there, giftings that come through salvation. Romans 3, after this whole thing of how fallen and sinful man is, right? Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. Works of the law? As soon as you salvation, works of the law? No. But by faith. There's... It's all of God. Boasting is excluded in God's work. For if Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about. Point to the question being, he wasn't justifying about works. But even if he had been justified by works, it wouldn't have been before God. There's no reason a man has to boast. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no man may boast. Let's look at this. We're running short on time. I don't want to jump in the box. Go to, let's just jump. Those are the four reasons from, say, Scripture, just looking at it. I want to look at the golden chain. One thing here in the golden chain. Go to, go to Romans 8. Romans 8. Romans 8, 28. The promise is this. What? The promise is this. And we know that all things work together for good for those who have been called by God. Right? 4, verse 29. That's, that's the statement. All things work together for good. Now here's the chain. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son in order that He might be the firstborn of many brothers. And those whom He predestined, He called. Those he called, he justified. And those whom he justified, he glorified. There's, there's, no, there's no dropouts in that chain. Okay? If it's for his good, if it's for their good, it's because they've been 
foreknown, because he foreknew them, he called them. Because he called them, he justified them. And if he's justified them, he will glorify them. That chain, if any one of those links break, then the whole thing blows apart. Um, what does Paul say in Romans 9 about the potter? Has the clay any right over the potter? No, the potter molds. The potter does what he will. So what? Why is this important? God gets the glory. It also ensures evangelism is effective. All right? That's why we preach. That's why we go, because we know that we just have to go. We just have to preach. We just have to tell people about Jesus, and God will bring people to himself. It's not that we don't have to go. No, but you know, if we go, he will do. My sheep hear my voice. I have other sheep who are not of this fold. I must bring them also. Evangelism is assured. Okay? And not only that, his salvation is assured also. No one has sinned beyond God's conditions. No one has a right to say that they are beyond God's grace. Who are they to put conditions upon God's grace? That's the point. There's no conditions. Salvation is free. Salvation is of the Lord. He saves whom He will. You can't stand before God and say, I've sinned too much. No, you're putting a condition upon God's salvation. No, the command for you is to believe. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. All right, repent every one of you. Be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. So unconditional election is a, is a humbling and a powerful thing because we know God, God is the one that gets all the glory. Okay? Sorry for rushing here at the end, folks. Questions? That's why it's important. Okay? This week, when you're sharing the gospel, you just got to share the gospel. It's not conditioned on how wise you are. It's conditioned on God, God's wisdom, God's power, God's plan. And he will bring them. He will make them new. Next week, the one that everyone, as I was told last week, was it'll be interesting to see what you do with this. Anyways, next week we'll look at the atonement, God's effective work. And we'll just look and see, was any, did, any, did anything get accomplished on the cross? That's what we'll look at next week. Let's pray. A gracious Father, we thank you for the day. Lord, there's just uh, there is so much to, uh, to cover, so much to look at, and it just seems in, inexhaustible when we start looking at your plan for salvation. It is a mighty thing, Father, and we stand humbled, we stand amazed. And Lord, I pray that you would use, this, use these truths to uh, embolden us and empower us and give us courage to go and speak the gospel to those who have not heard and know that you are able to save. You are able to save even unto the uttermost. I pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.